You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. are special effects. They have always been special effects from Malaise to Harryhausen to 2001 A Space Odyssey. Visual effects create the magic that make people want to go to the movies because they can see things they can't see any other way. Every film starts with an empty frame and anything is possible. But how can filmmakers create the thing the audience sees when it was never actually there? And as audiences get smarter and wiser and see through the illusion, the bar just raises. So how do they do it? How do they make the effects look great? Well, if you've seen pretty much any movie for the past 45 years, you know the answer. Leave it to the geniuses at Industrial Light and Magic. But... How did they get to be the greatest visual effects company in the world? Most places are a little bit like Wizard of Oz, where you pull back the curtain and you're like, oh, that's how they did it. But Industrial Light and Magic is the rare magic show where the technique is as good as the illusion. The journey of creating the trick is as incredible as the trick itself. It is this hive of creativity and brilliance and also incredible groundbreaking technological wizardry They pushed technology forward and explored it like it had never been done before. And to this day, they keep making it more exciting and more realistic and more magical. It's right there in the name of the company, Industrial Light and Magic. I am TC DeWitt of the Screener Squad, and I am joined by Tessa. Hello, hello. Elliot. Hey, hey, hey. And Melina. Hi, I'm getting weepy just hearing you repeat all those lines. (laughs) (laughs) And we are here to discuss Light and Magic, the brand new docuseries on Disney+. Plus. Academy Award-nominated filmmaker Lawrence Kasdan, who was responsible for Empire Strikes Back and Raiders of the Lost Ark, just to name a few. Kasdan takes viewers on an adventure behind the curtain of ILM, the special visual effects animation and virtual production division of Lucasfilm that started with a little film called Star Wars. Welcome to Film History Squad. What a journey, huh? Uh, you rendered us all speechless here. Yeah, I was like, uh. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> what an educational experience as well. I did not know a lot of what is here, and I'm a huge film nerd for trivia and history, and how exciting was it to experience this? Well, you, I think, already know my feelings about this TC. I absolutely loved it. Um, this was a series that I, just from watching the trailer, thought, okay, this is made for someone like me. You know, somebody who just is a major dork for not just Star Wars, but I am in a major way. Um, but I just lo- I love movies so much. And I have from the time I was a really small kid and discovered IMDb that I just really am addicted to learning about how they're made. So I was like, there's no way I'm not going to love this. And I totally did. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm basically the demographic for this series. I used to watch Movie Magic, uh, which came out on the Discovery Channel back when Discovery Channel still had educational 
content back in <laughs> 1994. Uh, it was my favorite show. I just I just loved seeing how they made all these puppets and things come to life. Uh, I remember an episode where they showed the dog uh, animatronics for the movie Fluke was a really good episode. I think I remember that. And now uh-huh. that you mentioned that, I think I remember that. I love that show. So when, you know, I signed up for this, I was very excited. And actually, years later, I met one of the uh, animatronic puppet makers that was on an episode of Movie Magic when I was out in L.A. I went to the creature shop. They actually emailed me because they wanted to work with me on something because they'd seen some of my puppet stuff online. And I just yeah, for, happened for to... listeners who might not know, Tessa is a very incredible puppet maker. Thank you. Yes, she uh, is. But I was... I got a tour of their studio (laughs) and so it was really amazing to see like all the different like armatures and just all the materials to make these animatronic puppets so yeah I was very excited about this (laughs) well this docuseries does almost that it gives us a tour of industrial light and magic through the decades as it was a little rinky dink garage with a handful of people and grew into the mega empire it is now and it feels like we're being brought behind the curtain. And as I said in my intro and repeating mostly what is said at the beginning of this entire series, most of the time you look behind the curtain and it isn't as interesting as what you see once it's done. And there's so much of this is just incredible. I I found myself going, wow, a bunch in watches every episode, every like every few minutes or so. I'm just going, wow. Oh, that what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so this starts out really heavily focusing on Star Wars. I think the first two episodes, at least, are nothing but Star Wars, which is yeah. great. There's been so many behind-the-scenes documentaries made about the the craft behind Star Wars, and there's a lot in other documentaries that you'll see here. But this really does bring it together in a really wonderful, cohesive way. It really brings you the people behind the craft in a way mm-hmm. that other documentaries haven't, whereas other things have focused purely on the craft. You really get to know these people who you might have even heard of if you're not even that big of a movie person. I mean, people like Phil Tippett. John Knoll. Dennis Murren. I mean, these are mm-hmm. these are titans in the industry. I mean, ILM itself changed movie effects forever and is still changing movie effects. And this, yeah, I agree. I agree with everything that's been said. This is a, a wonderful, amazing, beautiful look inside of a, a, a place that creates magic. Yeah. And, it's, and it really is about the people who did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Street Gang, the How We Got to Sesame Street documentary, where yeah. we know Star Wars, we know Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it's it's fun to just put that as the veneer that this is uh, being displayed with. But it really is about the the passion and the heart and the love and the creativity of all these people who gave themselves to us, to cinema, because they just wanted to. They wanted to tell stories. They wanted to take everything that they loved and and just do it bigger and play with bigger and better toys and make better toys for people in the future. And we get to see one at a time, all these people and their life stories and how they were affected by Star Wars and Industrial Light Magic and George Lucas as the godfather behind all of this. And there are all these wonderful life stories that we get to experience through the course of this six-episode series. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Especially in the case of Phil Tippett, who... They go into his struggle with him discovering that he was bipolar and how he was one of those people who loved what he did. He was, like, for those who don't know, he is considered a titan in stop motion, probably one of the greatest that there ever has been. And he talked about how he loved what he did so much because he got to get up every day and he relished and looked forward to standing in front of a 
six inch tauntaun model over the course of several <laughs> hours and moving it a fraction of a centimeter per frame for the course of a day. He's like, that was therapy to me. Everything, like my fears, my anxiety, my depression, it all went away when I was able to come in and create like that. And I was like, wow, what a touch. That's just so touching. Mm-hmm. And same thing with the ad ads. And they, they really, they, they talk about just the absolutely laborious amount of work that goes into you know, the classic scene on Hoth in um, Empire. Yeah, there's there's like this moment of time-lapse footage of him going in and out of the trap door and just slowly moving it, you know. And they speed yeah. it up so you kind of see the, the animation happening in real time. And then they play you the clip from Empire to show you everything coming together. And it's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. I can definitely see why somebody like him would find therapy in that kind of craft. What I appreciate about this in the revelations of some of the magic that we've seen, like, it's lost on us because we're all within a certain generation. We didn't experience the majority of these visual effects until we were watching them as home movies. We didn't really, I don't think anyone in this group is old enough to have experienced a bunch of these. We were certainly weren't alive to see the 77 Star Wars and whatnot. So a lot of these visual effects we kind of take them for granted. And what this documentary shows is like, no, this had never been done before. This camera, they created this. They created this. There's a nice little subsection about the creation of Pixar. John Knoll, as soon as I saw his name, it, I did not think of the movies he's involved with. The imme- I immediately thought of, this is the dude who invented Photoshop. Oh my and he yeah. did it on accident. <laughs> Just because he's like, well, you know, I'm not doing anything right now. I guess I'll help my brother out with the thing. I'm like, wow. Program. And I mean, this documentary really underscores it. But ILM really wrote the modern book for visual effects. I mean, I would say that every visual effects artist who's not working for them still owes them a debt of gratitude. And of course, that, that all sort of comes out of, and they talk about this, the, the Ray Harryhausen movies mm-hmm. and the, the moving skeletons and whatnot. And it seemed like everybody at ILM was influenced by those movies. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of modern filmmakers are in many different respects. And that's another cool thing about these people is is none of them like went to school to be engineers or blow shit up. They were all just hobbyists who liked building miniatures or blowing stuff up in their backyard or doing stop motion. And they all kind of accidentally got brought together by George Lucas to make this kind of weird crappy space opera that he was working on <laughs> and it turned into this fraternity we see behind the scenes yeah. where they're creating a slip and slide in the parking lot and there's no <laughs> air conditioning so they made a pool out of tanks and watching this animal house of mad men and women goof off and be young crazy people while also putting their heart and soul into creating such amazing cinema it's inspiring. It's it's funny and inspiring. Well, because they were all kids, too. These are people mm-hmm. who were right out of college. ILM was made by a bunch of people who didn't come together because they were hired in mass. They kind of came together because they were like, well, uh, George Lucas needs a guy who can do this. Well, I can't do that, but I know a guy from school who does. And exactly. that literally was, it was a ragtag group of people who kind of went into this not even knowing if they could do it. No one knew if it could be done, including George Lucas himself. It's wonderful to see how frustrated George Lucas can be. You hear stories about how just angry he is, but he never explodes. We have one story about walking in on him yelling at uh, John Dykstra, Dykstra, who won the Academy Award for New Hope, and 
this is, oh, I walked in on mom and dad fighting. <laughs> but <laughs> it's so funny to hear stories of George Lucas being so quiet. All right, hi, he's just George Lucas. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really upset that this is not, uh, uh, it's uh, not perfect. It needs to be perfect. I, why can't it be perfect? Here's a big bag of rock salt. <laughs> <laughs> God, they did start pretty heavily talking about Star Wars, like Elliot said, the first few episodes, but it did eventually as I mean, that's their story. That's that's mm -hmm. how their story starts is working on Star Wars. And then eventually, like, oh, we have to keep our jobs. We're going to have to take on other people's projects. And so you got Spielberg coming in and they start doing Indiana Jones. And then, you know, eventually they're they're working on all sorts of other things. I mean, they talk about Terminator 2, Honey, I Shrunk mm -hmm. the Kids. Uh, I think they, the abyss, um, labyrinth eventually. And I mean, it just, this spans like the years of, uh, evolution of, uh, special and practical effects over time. Yeah. If you'd like a further look at Jurassic Park specifically in the movies that made us, you get to experience spaz, which that guy's a nutcase. If you haven't watched the movies that made us, you'll get a whole new appreciation of that madman and <laughs> Phil Tippett and just the, the transition in that specific film and what happened. Uh, it's touched on nicely in this documentary, but you get a sort of, if you want further adventures of the Jurassic Park shift in special effects, I recommend Netflix's movies that made us. And there are a lot, Elliot had touched on that there's a lot of documentaries that have talked about Star Wars ad nauseum. I don't feel like I've seen this perspective on not just Star Wars, but cinema in general. It's always about the craft of what we got or dissecting what's on screen narratively or performatively. It was so interesting to hone in specifically on the visual effects and the magic that we experience and take for granted so often and, and seeing something like the final moment in Endgame where you have everybody crashing together. We just think, wow, how awesome is that? It doesn't even cross our minds, I think, as film viewers to go, the manpower it took to get that and the history of cinema and special effects it took to get there. Oh, yeah. This series really helped me gain that much more of an appreciation I already had for kind of the unsung heroes of blockbuster cinema specifically. Yeah, this I was I was watching this and was actually reminded of some parts of the Lord of the Rings extras that oh, focus yes. on the crafts. And and those are great, but what what they're lacking and what really makes this so great is that you do get that humanity of the people behind the scenes. Really no diss to those Lord of the Rings extras, but that's something that makes this documentary really quite special. TC you were talking a moment ago and I was thinking this there could all, almost be moments where on screen it flashes like to see more check out this documentary because there really are so many other um like you mentioned that that documentary about jurassic park which i highly recommend there are at least three or four documentaries just about the effects of star wars um that you can find but again i mean this one this is really kind of the magnum opus i think certainly certainly for this company absolutely mm -hmm. they take up such a large space in the movie effects world that yeah i mean this documentary is just you can't really ask for much more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's got but everything. It, does, it is the human, human aspect here that this, like a good documentary, there's a story to be told here. And like any good story, it comes down to the characters that are involved, the good, the bad, the heartbreak, the victories. And we get so much insight into the heart and the soul of what ILM is. And, and I had said just moments ago that the what they gave us, we now can put faces to the visual effects that have washed over us over the decades and maybe in some small way 
appreciate them that much more because we can see like someone who discovered they have bipolar mania, so a 15 year old kid who got a job right out of college because of someone's recommendation to see Joe Johnson want to quit. Like I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And George Lucas going, how about I pay for you to go to film school? <laughs> okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, George Lucas. Like, <laughs> uh, Ron Howard is in here. He produced this and we get a lot of look at, what George Lucas meant to his film career because yeah. American Graffiti was a starting Willow. point. Willow. Willow, yeah. J.J. Abrams is in this, you know, um, doing the best thing he's ever done. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he actually did have my, I have to say though, um, he had my favorite talking head of the whole thing, ironically, because I'm still mad at him for that one movie that he did recently. But he <laughs> has this whole thing where he talked about how the first time he went and saw Star Wars in 1977, he said it, to watch that was like walking into a floor of your house that you never knew was there. Because had, oh, it, that is a good it, just, yeah. it opened a door that you thought, I didn't even know that you could do this. I never knew that this mm -hmm. could possibly be. This is an option? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's like finding out a cheat code for a video game that you've been playing forever. Like, what? I could have gone there the whole time? There, what do you mean there's warp tubes in Mario Brothers? What is happening here? <laughs> but I think the human aspect... I, I do not want to get in the habit, because I've done this in a couple of reviews recently, where... I don't want to get in the habit of talking about other reviews, but I looked at a review that came out recently about this where they said that this feels like very, it's a vanity project for ILM and it fails to actually capture the human element. I couldn't disagree more. Oh, I thought no the human way. element in this who said that? shown through. I, I, I know. Shame someone them. who I think, someone, up someone who I think wanted a job at ILM and got cruelly rebuffed. I don't know. Um, That's what but, it is, yeah. But I love the human element in this. And it takes some turns that I thought was unexpected, like how when we talk about Jurassic Park and what an important movie that is, how it still today stands up as like one of the most impressive feats of visual effects. Holds it up. was such a turning point and in not the best way for everyone involved because mm -hmm. you have people like Phil Tippett, who was such a giant of the industry, who's basically saying, we don't really need your stop motion anymore. We're kind of going off in a different direction. However, he got a better gig out of it, kind of. He got to direct. He That's won true. an Oscar yeah. for that. <laughs> like, he got to, like, yeah. <laughs> direct the creatures in a, in a bigger way than, I don't know. I, I, I feel like they really did a good um, readjustment there for him to, like, still respect him and his work and his input. Like, okay, you can't do – we don't need this anymore, but we still need your input about movement, mm -hmm. which was great. And, and that comes to the whole of this docuseries is that it is about this family and this group of friends, how they looked out for each other and how they helped each other and how they were able to – guide one another while figuring it out themselves. This is a coming-of-age story for cinema, but it's as much about the people who came of age as well. And it's, I'm so happy that we can see so many of them in archival footage and photographs of when they were kids and then still see that that brilliance in their eyes, that spark of imagination that still exists in their gray hair and wrinkles. And I'm actually kind of getting choked up thinking about it now because there is a power behind these people, and I am so grateful to have gained that much more of an appreciation for them. We, I think we could very clearly sit here and just gush over this, as, these people as well as this experience as much as possible. But uh, I do want to kind of move us towards some final thoughts. And so with that said, Tessa, why don't you kick off? Yeah, I 
without really repeating everything else we've already said, a quote that stuck with me in this was, uh, there's no- nothing worse than not trying. Hmm. And they really uh, didn't hold back on that and decided to make something great and something that spiraled out in a really positive way that helped create so many other innovations in technology and in the art world and in the film world and just in tech in general. This, it's it's a very good documentary. I I don't know what else really I can say. I think that there there could be great if they did add some addendums, like here's some extra homework you can do. Here's the other (laughs) documentaries that we've been discussing you could go and check out. I, I have very few critiques of this uh i think the only thing was like the it was a very heavy star wars start for a couple episodes Mm -hmm. but as we said that's the story so that's going to take up a large chunk before they get going and then it just gets faster and faster and there's more projects added on and more and more i think it's a great um documentary series and i'm going to give this nine out of ten uh crew pretending to be dinosaurs until one of them falls over and breaks their drawing (laughs) hand Uh, Elliot yeah I mean I don't have much more to say here this is a fantastic documentary even if you've already seen a lot of the other behind the scenes documentaries for specific Spielberg and and Lucas movies this is highly worth checking out the whole thing which I think is a little over six hours but every minute of it is absolutely worth it the people here are funny and interesting and cool and, and their stories are really great and their interpersonal dramas are really something to see one of the most interesting parts is the Jurassic Park stuff which is really, I don't want to say it broke ILM, but it was certainly <laughs> a huge turning point in film effects for movies. I was actually kind of wondering what movies might look like had that movie gone ahead as a, a stop motion stop movie. Stop motion, and, yeah. You know, I, I, I don't think things would be that different. It probably would have just kicked the can down the road a little bit, but it's, it's, mm. it's interesting to think about. Uh, at any rate, yeah, great, great documentary. Highly recommend. Nine out of ten. Claymation Velociraptors. <laughs> Melina. I'm just going to say this is a this is 10 out of 10 for me. 10 out of 10 little tiny tauntaun models that I so want in my life. <laughs> I'm like I want that on display. Yeah, I I absolutely love this. I see what you guys are talking about with the kind of Star Wars heavy beginning, but for me that really worked not just because like we've all said that's kind of where their story quite literally begins. But I thought it was so fascinating with how they unpacked every single facet that went into making this work and every time they would, I would think to myself, god, if any one of these steps in the process had gone wrong or they didn't have the ability to make that one facet work, we would not have the movie that we saw. And everything that came after that wouldn't have been the movies that we saw. You know, these were people who were just kind of throwing themselves at the mercy of whatever it is that they could come up with and trying to make it work. And if it hadn't, it would have changed the course of the industry. And that is kind of baffling to think about. But this, this I think, is a fantastic series, as we've all said. There was no way that it wasn't going to win with me, but I really appreciated the filmmaking aspects of it. Lawrence Kasdan is such an integral part of Star Wars himself, but this is not a vanity project for him by any standard. He keeps himself very much in the background. He knows that the star of the story is the visual effects artist, and I love that we get to know so much about them. There was not a single person who we get to know in this that I didn't, at the end of it, think, God, I wish I really, I wish I knew this person. They're just so likable. They're, they're all creatives. They're artists. And it's just so inspiring to see them, even at the, age, at the age that they are now, they still carry that spark. And it's so infectious and lighthearted. And I hope that 10 years from now, we see a part two for this. Because God knows where the technology is going to be. I'm fascinated yeah. to see what it will be. So, yeah. 
that's that's my getting off the soapbox now. <laughs> well, this is not a documentary in that it gives facts and information. There's an arc and a story in here, and this m would make an excellent basis for a scripted dramatization like The Offer. Mm. Slip and slides in homemade hot tubs and parking lots, people inventing whole new pieces of cinematic technology like mad scientists in their garage, Frankensteining new cameras because they couldn't use what everyone else had had, while George Lucas is losing his mind in the pursuit of perfection. And the successes that unfolded and, and came with new challenges, the family growing and moving on, the victories and heartbreak, but even more, as a filmmaker myself, as a lover of movies, this is an inspiring story of people with deep love for storytelling in their very souls. I think it'd be a great series for a curious young storyteller in your life, for someone who is searching for a gang of outsiders to inspire them. So show them this show, a, a wonderful, magical watch, and I'm giving Light Magic THX 1138 out of 10 gray hairs George Lucas developed silently seething every time something <laughs> wasn't perfect. Very nice. Although that makes it sound like I'm giving it an 8. I'm going to, it's a 10. <laughs>